Blog Talk Radio. Including Super Bowl 51, of course, but then uh, some uh, some related news as well, because it's been a couple days now, and I'm going to be joined shortly by our resident Pats fan, Ryan Whitfield, and uh, I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about this. Ryan, how are you doing? I have to say, I am actually shocked that you made it onto the show in uh, in just three days. I actually thought that you wouldn't be able to make it onto the show in three days. I thought that it would be, actually take you longer than that to get over that miraculous Super Bowl win on Sunday night. So tell me, are you 100% sober right now? <laughs> and are you actually come back down to earth? Are, are you still flying high? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm obviously still flying high, but I, uh, I am 100% sober. I'd, uh, you know, I know a lot of people do the no alcohol for a month through January, which I can't do ever in January because the Patriots win. So, um, you know, I decided right. I'd start the day after. So I went out with a bang, uh, you know, going into a 30-day alcohol detox uh, with uh, Sunday night. So Sunday night was a wild <laughs> one for sure. Oh, yeah. So we got we got a lot to talk about there. And uh, I was going to start with some news. But you know what? We got so much to talk about in the Super Bowl. And, uh, and we got a great announcement about what we're going to be doing for the rest of the season. So let's just go ahead and get rolling with the Super Bowl 51 breakdown. All right, so everyone knows what happened, right? Everyone knows that Super Bowl 51 was the largest comeback victory of any Super Bowl. It was the first overtime game in Super Bowl history, and also the first time that a team that actually had a pick six actually lost a Super Bowl. So there's a whole lot of firsts, and there's a heck of a lot more to it than that. Ultimately, the New England Patriots managed to masterfully come back from 25 points down in the third quarter in order to beat the Atlanta Falcons 34-28 to in overtime. Wow. Okay. So because I know you have a lot to say about the Patriots, let's start with the Falcons first, okay? Let's talk about them first. Tell me, what are your thoughts, Ryan, on the Atlanta Falcons, what they did on offense, and what they did on defense in Super Bowl 51? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think they're I, – I don't equate them to the Carolina Panthers of last year. Um, I think they made that clear with the way they started off in this game on, on Sunday. Um, I don't think they're one of those, those teams that you see just kind of emerge out of nowhere and then really kind of disappear the next year. Um, I think they've got a lot of good pieces that they can build around. However, I, I, I've always had this theory, and I feel like the, the team, and, and people can't understand or don't understand um, by this point, listening to our show on a weekly basis, that um, I think I've made it pretty clear that the team, aside from the Patriots, that I really respect the most in the NFL um, is the Seattle Seahawks. And I respect them because I think that they do it in a different way than the Patriots, but they do it in a way that I still um, admire. Um, I think there's two different ways to be loudmouth. Um, there's the loudmouth way of the Seattle Seahawks, where it's all more, it's it's not a cockier arrogance. It's more of a, you know, it's more of an attitude and it's a toughness mentality. Um, I think the Falcons have some of that, that that issue of being almost arrogant and kind of you know kind of cocky and pull themselves. 
Um, and I think some of, the, some of that you saw creep in on Sunday night. Um, you know, I think they came out with a good game plan. Um, and, you know, I think the question that everyone's asked this week is, did the Falcons choke this game away or did the Patriots win? Um, I hate sitting on the fence, but I think when it comes to that question, um, and, and, you know, inevitably every, and no matter what situation it is, it's always both. Because one team has to create opportunities for the other team to come back. Um, and they did, right. so the Patriots took advantage of those opportunities. Um, but, I, but I think a large part of that was this cockiness and this arrogance, and you, and you saw it early in that game. Now, I, will, I was fine if I said that I believe the Patriots were coming back. Um, but, you know, the Alfred touchdown where, he's, where he stops almost at the 10-yard line, he's slowly walking in. Um, and then you, you, got, you got Devontae Freeman doing a leap in, doing his best uh, foster impersonation from the, the last time the Patriots played a Super Bowl in Houston, actually. Um, and I just I think that teams that carry themselves that way, I think there is a certain, you know, mix mixing um, in their heads. So whether that comes from the coach on down, um, or if that's kind of the you know the players they've assembled there, um, and then it even goes to Kyle Shanahan in the fourth quarter. You know they, they ran the ball five times after um, getting up twenty-eight to right. three. That's inexcusable. Yep. And what they were trying to do was they were trying to run up the score. They were trying to score touchdowns. They were trying to make a point. And what it did was come back and bit them. Um, and you know and you know you, if you watch the the Showtime uh, inside the NFL last night, you, you saw repeatedly Muhammad Sanu. Um, which uh, somehow Muhammad Sanu now hasn't played it since itself. He's not even the best receiver on his own team. Um, but the entire time he's, he's walking around like, they ain't never seen nothing like this before. Uh, actually, you know, you can say that, first of all, I don't think their offense is revolutionary. I think it's a really good offense and obviously the best offense in the NFL this year. Not the, not the best offense I've even seen in my lifetime. Um, and when you're saying that another team has never seen an offense like yours before, you might want to go after a team that has less tenure than the New England Patriots, a defensive coordinator who's been in this organization for 10 years, an offensive coordinator who's been here for 10 years, a coach who's coached here for 17 years and coached for 40 years, and a quarterback who's been here for 16 years. So when you're talking about teams that's never seen anything like you before, it's probably usually not the Patriots, Muhammad. So um, I think you saw that attitude. I think you saw that cockiness, and I think that's part of what came back to contribute to their half of this, this amazing comeback on Sunday night. Yeah, so I so I'll say this. So um, I, I'm a little bit obviously I uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit more objective here because I didn't want the Patriots to win, but I will say this: the Patriots and I wrote about this on our site and I put it up there and I asked the question: Did the Patriots win Super Bowl Fifty One or did the Atlanta Falcons lose it? And I actually have to say I think the Patriots won Super Bowl Fifty One because no matter what opportunities you're given. If you don't have the ability to take advantage of those opportunities, uh, I think it's pretty significant lost cause. And I, and I can say this: this is I was listening to this on ESPN earlier this week, and Rob Nikovich and Dante Hightower were being uh, interviewed, and they said, and they were asked, you know, what kind of halftime speech did Bill Belichick give during Super Bowl Fifty One? I mean, you're down by a lot, you know, you're down twenty one to three. I mean, what what kind of speech was he giving? During that halftime show, because we know from super, from football movies that the coach always gives a rah rah speech, and they said there was no speech. They said he he said they said they give him five minutes, take care of the personal business, and you get back together. He gave him the adjustments, and you'll integrate the adjustments. And they sat around quietly integrating the adjustments, making sure they're ready for the second half. That says it all to me. Then you know, I and I'm not like I said, I'm not. A, I'm not a big Patriots fan. I'm not a big Belichick fan, except for the fact that you have to say these guys really know what they're doing. And Bill Belichick is, was one of the best, did one of the best jobs at 
minute halftime adjustments that I've seen in any game. And quite frankly, the fact that his players could sit down and do it on their own, the bottom rah-rah speech, man, they were internally motivated. That's a good system. That is a, an, an exceptional system where the players themselves can take it upon themselves to sit down and integrate those things and not need to be pumped up for the game because they were already pumped up. They knew they had to get down to business and do it right. So I thought that was incredibly, incredibly impressive. And, and that, that really told me a lot about the character of this Patriots team. Now, let me just switch over to the Falcons. I, I do want to talk about, when we go to the Patriots, what I think they did right and what they did, what I think they did masterfully in the second half. But I will say this. The Falcons really did a poor job of dealing with a big lead. And, and you hit the nail on the head. Five runs. Now, what is that? Because before that, they had 13 runs, averaging 5.8 yards per carry against the Patriots' fourth-ranked run defense. You would think, if it's worse, don't, if it, if it works, do not fix it, right? It's not broken. So why did they go away from it? Now, I don't think necessarily they're trying to rub the score, but I do think that they were trying to establish offensive dominance, and they were not able to do that. But after punting the ball two or three times and just being generally ineffective, I mean, they converted one first down the entire, I mean, one third down the entire night. <laughs> you can't win a game like that. So I really do think that the Falcons, uh, you know, had a great game plan going in. They went away from it. They really hurt themselves. And that, and at four minutes and 50 seconds left at that last point, after Julio Jones made an amazing catch and put him on a 22-yard line for the Patriots, I have to say, I thought they were going to kick the field goal and, and win the game. I mean, let me, get, let me ask you, what were your thoughts after that? After Julio Jones made that catch, what was going through your head? And did you think that they were going to be able to rally and cause a, and sack Matt Ryan uh, back 13 yards and push him out of field goal range like that? Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of walking through a couple of the big plays. You know, I think I think the reason why they got away from their game track, um, and, you know, when I talk about the running up, I'm actually talking about that sequence you just talked about. But uh, just to back up before that real quick, I think part of the reason they got away from the run um, was because one of the biggest halftime adjustments was the Patriots brought – they brought Hightower down on the line. And Hightower was in there crushing. Uh, he, was, he was hitting the tight end back into the line on each play off the rush and then, and then attacking. Um, and so what limited the chances they had to run or that they chose to run the second half, the Falcons definitely struggled in the game. Um, you know, for me, you know, at 21-3 at the half, because you talk about all the adjustments, you know, we, we felt pretty good. Um, when the when the Patriots came out once, you know, got a three and out, but then went three and out, and then Atlanta Dragons scores. At that point, I'm, okay, it's over. They're going to lose. Um, they make that little run of a comeback, and, you know, I, I'm such a jinxer when I watch the game. I'm not fun to watch games with, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sweating. I'm not either, time. So I'm I don't, I don't blame you. Pace. And so when yeah. they, when Julio caught that ball, even before that, though, I, you know, I was getting text messages from, from people saying, you know, people have been taunting me in the first half that are not Patriots fans. Text me going, oh, I spoke too soon. Uh-oh. And I was texting back, I'm like, shut up. Don't say that. Like, the, the Patriots have not come back yet. So I was not bought in yet. Right. Because um, I knew what a hell to tell the time. But you get there to 22, and obviously you think when the game's over. They stopped uh, Devonta Freeman for a one-yard loss. And then Matt Ryan inexcusably takes that sack. Um, which yeah. I have some uh, some Matt Ryan takes that we'll get to later on, uh, but he does that, and you know, and even still, I, I don't I don't get what the Falcons are thinking, what, Sha- what Shanahan's thinking there, because even on second, they're now it's uh, third and twenty three, and I and I said to my friend, you know, sitting next to me, and a bunch a bunch of all my diehard Patriot fans here, and I said I said we needed that on the sack, and he goes. Well, Matt Bryant can still hit that. And I said, I know, but I'd rather right. him have to kick a 53-yarder than a 40-yarder. 
So it already made a big yeah, difference. Absolutely. And then you get the holding call, um, which they shouldn't have had a holding call because they shouldn't have been passing. Because 53 right. yards is still within Matt Bryant. So so just give the ball to Devonta Freeman on on a you know on a ISO right off the right off the center for for two or three yards and give him a 49 yard field goal and have faith in your totally ticket. Agree. But they don't you know or at totally least agree. use another Patriot timeout in the process and they don't. So then they do it and then they right. go for the pass and the pass is more on it. He tries to I think it was Gabriel down the sideline and, and that uh, Matt Ryan tried to get 25 of the 33 yards on that play and it's like I just wanted right. to scream at them Matt you only needed to get like 10. Dude, you could have just right. done a little hitch over the middle, got some of the yards right. back, and then give Matt Bryan a chance to put this game away. But they didn't want to, and it just spoke that mentality of that they were so arrogant and full of themselves and, and their offensive ability that even though they, you know, the, the ratings all look good and the stats all look good, and that's how it can be deceiving sometimes. Like, you know, it looks like Matt Ryan had the all-time Super Bowl, you know, or game of, of any Super Bowl ever. Um, but really, I mean, his high-powered offense that held the 21 points because seven points was on the return touchdown. So he only got 21 right. points, and he took a bunch of bad sacks. And when they needed to put the game away, they couldn't convert. And I think the biggest stat that no one's talking about is the one that you just referenced. So I guess when I say no one, I mean no one outside this podcast. They were one of eight right. on third downs in this game. So when they needed yep. plays, they couldn't get them all night. So, yeah, the Patriots had a couple bad drives where they got torched. But overall, in that series, that series was a microcosm of it. And you knew the minute that happened, and even me and my jinxy head over here, when the minute that happened, it said, Oh, the Patriots are going to score now. And if they get the ball in the, over, in the overtime, this game's over. You know, it that does. was the moment we knew that everything had changed. I, I, I agree with you 110%. And actually, the funny thing about it is that you look at Matt Bryant. He's a Pro Bowl kicker. He is he has not missed a kick between 40 and 49 yards this year. He is 91.5% on all field goal tries this year. What are you doing, Atlanta? What are you doing? You, I mean, it, it was actually maddening to see that. Now, I, I don't know if it was arrogance. I don't know if it was really bad play calling. I don't know what was happening there, but it was, I, you know, I, it was just mind-boggling. I mean, I, I don't understand at all because at that point, the difference between a touchdown and a field goal was negligible. It, it, it would, it would, it would increase their chances by what point? Well, one percent if they got a touchdown instead of a field goal. A field goal would seal it up as much as a touchdown would. So I, I thought it was absolutely a, a terrible play, and I knew, I knew exactly at that point as well that the Patriots had this one basically in the bag uh, because I knew they could capitalize on that type of mistake. All right, so we have the Falcons. I know we want to turn around to the other side of this and talk about the New England Patriots because they did a lot of things right. So tell me, what do you think, Ryan? What did the New England Patriots do right in your book, and what did they do wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, I just I want to start it off with. <laughs> oh my God! You took Brady for four games. You took a first round pick, and and all of you, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm grouping you in with everyone else who watches the NFL, likes the NFL, works in the NFL, plays in the NFL. You were spotted a 25 point lead, and you still couldn't stop the Patriots from their fifth ring. Oh my God. Oh man, it was Sunday night fun. Here we go. Oh my God. <laughs> this is what we're the Falcons. <laughs> I had a friend who FaceTimed me halfway through the second quarter. He lives from my he lives in Miami, he's a Dolphins fan. And I'm so used to how sucky that organization is. I picked up finally after right. the fourth FaceTime and said what I always said. I said, Bro, you guys haven't made the playoffs since oh wait, why are you calling me and hung up the phone? Forgetting that they've been in the playoffs this year, although if you watch that Steelers game, the Dolphins never really run the postseason this year. Um, but we had a nice FaceTime uh, about about ten forty five when I called back and we were all singing and the you know in the camera taunting him. So 
Um, God, it was so good. <laughs> it was just everything. There, there will never be a Super Bowl that feels better than that one. Not the first one, not the Seattle one, nothing. Not even a 19-0 season could talk it for me now, which, again, in case anyone wants to know, that's the only hill left to climb. That's the only thing people in England are talking about is now is like, well, the only, like, number six isn't even going to feel as good as this. So we just have to go pert. We have to have an undefeated season now and finally finish it off. So, um, Oh, come on, let's not get greedy we'll here. You get six and <laughs> you guys got five. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think you need to do anything more to prove that you guys are a team, uh, team of the his- team that's going to be number one in the history books for quite some time to come. Oh God, it was just it, it was unbelievable. But um, with that said, you know I think going through the game, you know the first half was obviously rough, but it was also really misconstrued. Um, you know there were. Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck had to uh, zip up their pants after talking about uh, the Atlanta Falcons defense for the full first half. They did give up 200 yards in case anyone was, was counting. The Patriots did move the ball up and down. Both the Patriots turnovers oh, yeah. came, inside, it came around the 30-yard line for the Falcons. The Patriots were moving the ball right. all afternoon. Absolutely. They just made, they yep. made bad mistakes. And uncharacteristic is LeGarrette Blunt doesn't fumble. You know, he, he, may, he may run for, you know, negative one yard most of the time, but he doesn't ever cross right. the ball up. Um, right, and neither so does Brady throw interceptions either. So I mean, that, that's you know, I was both of those things were surprising to me. Yeah, um, I think the biggest second guess um, for me, from a whole night standpoint, and it's going to sound weird because of the night that James White had. Um, I don't understand why Deion Lewis was not back in the game plan at all. He had to get the least touches out of the three running backs. Um, you know, right. I did hear a good point this week on local radio that maybe it was a ball security thing. They knew that was the one way Atlanta could stay in this game was uh, causing turnovers, and Deion Lewis out of the three of them is the most turnover-prone. Um, he puts the ball on the ground a lot fumble-wise, so maybe that was it. But, um, you know, I think I think the only thing that matched the poor play calling of, uh, of Shanahan down the stretch was the poor play calling of Josh McDaniels in the first half. Um, I had him fired right. about four different times before they went to the locker room. <laughs> um, right. So they were, you know, the first half was a mess. Um, like I said, though, you know, most of us in New England, we've seen this enough that they, they very rarely get blown out. The last time they got blown out um, was that Kansas City game in 14. Um, you know, usually when they're down big at the half, like in 13 at that home game against Denver when they came roaring back, uh, that home game that they ended up losing to San Francisco in 2012, but they did come all the way back and take a lead in that game. So they usually make the adjustments, come back out, and uh, get it together. So like I said earlier, when they came out and got the three out at the end of the half, or at the beginning of the next half, um, you felt like, okay, there it is. This is Now they're going to get the ball, they're going to drive, and this is where they start to mount the comeback. So when the Patriots offense came out, went three and out with two drops, you were like, this isn't their night. Um, and then they give up the touchdown drive. And then they get the ball back, and there's a very famous drive that most of you probably don't know. Um, in 2010, when the Pats lost to the Jets, they, uh, they had about a 45-minute, 14-play drive, and they were down by either 7 or 10 at that point. Uh, but it was a 45-play 40, drive, I mean, 45-yard drive for about 12 or 14 plays. It took like eight minutes, and it was like eight, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, something like that. Um, and the Patriots came away with no points. And that obviously was the, home, the last time they lost a home playoff game. Um, and that, or right. second to last time. Um, and, you know, Ron Borges of the Boston Herald famously named that drive the drive to nowhere. I mean, that is exactly what that third quarter drive felt like by the Patriots on Sunday night. You know, we were... Again, talking to a couple of my friends who were sitting next to me, I'm like, they, they have to score twice in the quarter. Like, what are they doing? And every play was two, three, four yeah. yards. They're running the ball with a Garrett deep in the red zone, you know, two or three straight times. And I'm like, what are they doing? They have to get in the end zone here. So they finally do. 
and then Shankowski comes up and rips one off the upright, which we're accustomed to seeing at this point this year. And you're like, oh my god, <laughs> right. this is just like it's yeah. just not gonna happen. Like even the shown fight, like... still can't get it together. And then he botches right. the onside kick, and you're like, all right, that's it. So I think the biggest, one of the biggest unsung plays of the game, is on that series because that that series starts at about the New England 45. And on third down, Hightower comes up with a big play. Um, I think I believe it was one of their sacks in the night. Um, and now you got a turnover, uh, or a turnover on down to the you know end of the series, and they got to punt the ball. You know that was that, that was right. the first chance that Atlanta really blew to step on the Patriots' throats, and they didn't do it. Um, Patriots go down and they get the field goal, and it's still not even close. You know, it's still a 16-point game. Third and right. one and a half, and you run a seven-step drop-back pass. Inexcusable yeah. play. Inexcusable. Yeah. Inexcusable from the, the who I think is the, the leader of the cocky and arrogant, you know, probably stems from his days of being at Florida State. Um, Devonta Freeman just gives the most embarrassing block attempt uh, in protection I've ever seen. Hightower oh, comes, God. comes, comes uh, not on Ryan's blind side, on his facing side, and he still doesn't oh, yeah. recognize it, and he get and he gets right. lit up. So I keep hearing all the apologists for Matt Ryan saying. Um, you know, well, he, he thought Devonta Freeman was going to pick him up, so that's why he's not looking for it. He was coming at his face side. How do you not see yeah. How do you and not he see Hightower? Well, Hightower was, was fast, though. Was, he was fast. He, yeah. he is. Inexcusable right. play. You can't, you can't let that happen. You can't, and I don't understand why in third and one and a half, you're, you're better off running the ball there because, the, you know, oh, uh, they were talking on the radio here today, and they did the math of it. If you just factor in, if, the, if, if they don't turn that ball over, and they, even if they run the ball in two yards, you got a forty. You know, you got forty seconds for the next play, plus the punt, which probably puts the Patriots back at their own twenty. Now the Patriots have to go on an eighty-yard drive. You're talking about the swing of about five minutes to get that touchdown, but it doesn't happen. So right. the Patriots go right in, get the touchdown, and then you know, as we talk about later in that next drive, um, you know, I think, I think it's it, the, the biggest thing. Um, you know, I think a lot of most championship teams we try to find the team with. Um, or something to attribute to them. And I think with the Patriots this year, um, this was as mentally tough as a team as I've ever seen in New England. The Jamie Collins right. trade midseason, um, the, the third-string quarterback playing by week four, the Brady suspension, um, you know, the way they fought back in this game, every test, every step of the way that they had to elevate, they did. Um, and they did it again Sunday night. And, again, if you watch any of that NFL insider stuff last night, um, it's not revisionist history. You, you can see them as they're walking into the locker room at halftime, and they're all saying to each other, this is going to be the greatest story the NFL's ever seen. We're about to write the biggest comeback ever. There was no panic. There was no, you know, right. I was I was two seconds away from leaping off my balcony, but uh, the, the right, Patriots sure. were, actually, uh, were actually very confident and calm in the game. So, Right, and as I said, you know, like, like I said, that interview of Nikovic and, and Hightower, they said, listen, they, they got down to business. They walked in five minutes in, take care of personal business, let's get back to the – get back together and let's get this stuff uh, adjusted and win this game. And I thought, you know, that's, that's very, that's a, that's a good attitude to have going into halftime. I, you know, and most teams would be scattered all over the place. Now, let me just say this with the game itself, you know, and when I wrote about this and broke it down, I said that there are four things I thought were going to really impact this game. Number one, the turnovers. Number two was ball control. Number three was the ground game with both sides. And then number four was the pass rush. Now the pass rush ended up, being very, very important because it caused some of those turnovers. Because as you mentioned, the most important turnover was the Dante Hightower sack strip uh, that he had that, that basically set up the comeback and, and basically set the entire script in motion for the uh, for the comeback. I mean, that, that's the first time where I felt like the Patriots had real serious momentum 
that they are going to be, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, this, this is going to happen. This is actually going to happen. So that, there's that. And then I have to say that with ball control, I mean, this is just obscene. If you think about it, the Patriots controlled the ball, including with the halftime, 40 minutes and 31 seconds. 40 minutes and 31 seconds. The Falcons only had it for 23 minutes and 27 seconds. The Patriots ran twice as many offensive plays. 93 offensive plays where the Falcons only ran 46. That disparity is the highest disparity of any postseason game in the NFL history. I mean, it's unbelievable. You can't win games if you're not running any offensive plays. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant, how the Patriots slowed the game down enough in order – and I know you were talking about the drive to nowhere there, but I actually respected the fact that they were taking their time, being methodical about it, making sure that they're getting things right, making sure they got their first downs, they converted – 7 of 14 of their third down opportunities. They were able to convert three of their third down opportunities uh, on penalties because they played cautious, safe, controlled, uh, disciplined football. And they managed to just basically outplay them because if you look at it at the end of the day, they had 12 total drives in regulation. The Falcons had 11. It's not like they had more drives than the Falcons. It was essentially the same. But they held on to the ball the longest. They they, they played controlled, disciplined football, and they managed to come back in a controlled and disciplined way. And I think that is amazing. And then the most amazing fact of all, the Patriots never led in this game, ever, until they won the game. They never led once, not for a second. That, it, to me, is amazing. That, to me, is absolutely amazing. So let me – so we've all said that – now, I've said more, nicer things about the Patriots today, uh, more nice things about the Patriots today than I've said in my entire life. So I, I, that's about as much as you're going to get out of me today, Ryan. But let me say this. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about, and, and I just, I'll, I'll just kind of flag this because this has been making the news recently. Uh, the Falcons losing Kyle Shanahan and hiring Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive coordinator and then also getting rid of the defensive coordinator, Richard Smith. What do you think about that? I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not as if Sarkeesian has a, you know, a clean history. Uh, you know, obviously a guy that's, um, you know, anyone who's, you know, I don't want to talk on it in a bad way. I'm sure we've all been touched on it in certain parts of our life. And um, usually for somebody who's had that issue, stability is usually the best thing. Um, so I don't know right. that jumping ship, leaving Alabama so close is, you know, a, a guaranteed or recipe for success. But as far as Kyle Shanahan, right. um, you know, I think I think this comes from the top down because people can talk about Shanahan, you know, in the in the play calling, which I certainly did. But at some point, the head coach has to step in and put on the mic and say what we just talked about and say, "Hey, can we slow this game down a little bit? We have, we have a twenty-eight right. to three lead, or, you know, a twenty-eight to nine lead. We don't need to be going full force. We need to be chewing clock here." Um, so I think that falls on Quinn's shoulders because that's I mean that's if you let your play callers actually call the plays, that is literally your biggest job as the head coach right. is to run the operation and make sure. So, um, you know, yeah. he, he can change coordinators. They can bring new blood in there. Um, but unless Dan Quinn learns his lesson from what just happened, um, you know, he's going to be in trouble. And I'm sure after the last two, the last two Super Bowls he's been in, he doesn't want to see my Patriots ever again there. <laughs> right. I, I can guarantee that. And I, I think actually getting rid of defensive coordinator Richard Smith and defensive line coach Brian Fox, I think that's kind of scapegoating a little bit because we all know Dan Quinn calls those plays on defense. So if you want to say, hey, you guys are the reason why we lost uh, when they come back, I'd say that's BS. It's, uh, you know, it's on Quinn. But, you know, the last two touchdowns they're, they're the, the Patriots had run, 
I mean, the last two touchdowns have been scored by the Patriots after they'd already run 70 plays. I don't understand how it's the defensive coordinator or the defensive line coach's fault that your defense is absolutely gassed down the stretch. That's on your shoulders. Yeah. So it's, 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 yep. it's scapegoating. Absolutely. It's absolute scapegoating, and I think it's a, a clear indication that at least initially, whether he reflects in you know a couple months here as they get ready for the next season, learns from it. But at least initially, he's not he's not taking as much responsibility as he should be for this. Right, right. I agree. Now, now, like we gotta hit on this one because this is all over the, on social media now. But we've heard now that Martellus Bennett and Devin McCourty and now Dante Hightower have said they're not going to go to the White House um, in order to in order to meet the president uh, with the with the team. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think it's a, a surprise with how polarizing um, that this president in particular is. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the issues that they're protesting were, were, were still there. You know, I mean, the, the Black Lives Matter movement started before Trump was in office. Right. I, and so I get it from that standpoint. But I didn't like it when Brady didn't go last year uh, or two years ago. I didn't like it when Tim Thomas, the Bruins goalie, didn't go in 2011. I just think it politicizes the right. whole moment, which I don't really think that's what that yeah. moment's about. But um, but. You know, again, if if those guys have done it and Brady basically got away with it without you know much criticism, I don't think these guys should be criticized for it either. Right, it's, uh, it's basically your decision. If you want the honor, you get the honor. If not, then you don't. All right, so let me just say this: we're going to hit some historical games, everybody. Coming up in our next podcast, we're going to actually run down some some highlights of Super Bowls past, and we'll be starting with some of the Patriots Super Bowls, so Brian will have a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But we're all going to be hitting all those off-season news and notes, free agency, draft. There's a lot of stuff going on, and, of course, all those head coach changes that we haven't hit on yet, but we got a lot to talk about next week. Anyway, follow Ryan at Ryan, your Twitter address. Yeah, at Ryan Whitfield, NE. Better luck to all of you next year. <laughs> and follow me at FB Garbage Time. Until next week, enjoy your off season because we don't have an off season. We'll be talking about all the good stuff coming up every week in the off season. So we'll see you then. <laughs>